This podcast may contain content that is graphic and disturbing in nature. Listener discretion is advised. It was at a school in the country of Kosovo that students suddenly became sick and were taken to hospital. Then more and more students got sick in many other schools. The number of students affected grew and grew, but the authorities could not explain what the illness was. This is Apple for the Teacher, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Anna Thomas. Today's episode is called, What's Your Poison? The school students got sick with a mysterious illness. What was it? In the southeastern part of Europe exists a region called the Balkans. The Balkans is made up of the countries of Bosnia and Herzegovina, Kosovo, Macedonia, Montenegro, Croatia, Serbia and Slovenia. Today the area contains a complex mix of languages, religions and ethnic groups and historically this diversity has resulted in periods of conflicts between the various groups. Before being termed as the Balkans, the area was called Yugoslavia and was made up of six republics. It was under communist rule by Marshal Tito, who was able to delicately manage the region and thus avoid conflicts occurring between the republics. The Republic of Kosovo was the poorest region, but under Tito, it was given semi-autonomy. But when Tito died, communism fell, old ethnic conflicts re-emerged and the republics pulled apart. The Serb leader, Slobodan Milosevic, ended the semi-independence of Kosovo, making it completely subject to Serb rule. In the early 1990s, Yugoslavia began to fall apart, with a series of separate wars and ethnic conflicts occurring over the next 10 years. In 1998, Kosovo engaged in a war with their Serbian rulers. What followed was another 10 years where Kosovo attempted to break free from Serbia. But in 2008, Kosovo would finally become an independent country and be recognised by a large proportion of countries, except for Serbia, Russia and China. Today, Kosovo is still struggling for international recognition. So, it was eight years before Kosovo's independence, while still under Serb rule, that a strange series of events occurred in the year 1990. It was at a school in Kosovo that Albanian students suddenly became ill. Then, quite mysteriously, more and more students also became sick, not only at this one particular school, but other schools started reporting illness among many students as well. What started as only a few cases quickly spread to more than a 100 students over the next few days. Students reported seeing their classmates with foam coming out of their mouths and tears in their eyes. They then began fainting. In the weeks and months that followed, the number of cases went into the hundreds and then the thousands. The general population also became inflicted and by the end of the year, it was estimated that up to 8,000 people had been affected. The symptoms included vomiting, violent convulsions, inflamed eyes, sore noses and throats, and hypersalivation. Another common symptom was rotating eyeballs, sensitivity to light, 
and redness in the face. In the early stages, what was happening was referred to as the mysterious disease, but then it became described as a case of mass poisoning, as most of the people who were affected were Albanian Kosovars, Albanian doctors who treated the patients were convinced that they were poisoned and that the Serbs were responsible, which they categorically denied. The Serbs maintained the people were acting and that there was nothing wrong with them. A French doctor had taken blood samples from a number of patients and he agreed that a massive poisoning had taken place. However, this conclusion was disputed by two British doctors who had also taken blood samples and concluded that they had not found any poison. Then a Serb professor wrote a medical article where he stated that the incident was the result of mass hysteria, therefore backing up the British doctors who reported no poison present. Now, it needs to be noted here how the education system worked in Kosovo at the time. The Serbs had introduced a system of segregation in schools where Serbian and Albanian students would not be in the school at the same time. The Serbs would go to school in the mornings and the Albanians in the afternoons. This policy came into effect just before the so-called mysterious disease occurred. This led many to suspect that the separation was enacted by the Serbs so that only the Albanians would be affected by the alleged poisoning. But on the day the first students became sick, it was noted that there had not been any Serbian students at the school in the morning as was normally the case. This resulted in conspiracy theories that the Serbs had intentionally targeted Albanian students, making sure no other students were at school on that day. Here is what one girl said. In my school, we had Albanians, Serbs and Romanis, but that day only Albanians were there, which we reacted against. We were small children, but we understood that something was wrong because it had never happened earlier that Serb classes stayed away. The Serbs responded by saying that it was a conspiracy organised by the Albanians to garnish sympathy and support from the world community. In the years that followed, there was intense debate and conjecture over the matter, with both sides of the argument attempting to discredit the other. The blood samples analysed by both sides were alleged to have been tampered with, articles and books were written, and I have read the arguments presented, but both can't be true. It was either poisoning or mass hysteria. So, what is mass hysteria? Although there seems to be many definitions and thoughts around this topic, here is one definition. In sociology and psychology, mass hysteria, also known as mass psychogenic illness, collective hysteria, group hysteria, or collective obsessional behaviour, is a phenomenon that transmits collective illusions of threats, whether real or imaginary, through a population and society as a result of rumours and fear. Mass hysteria is very difficult to define, but can be broadly described with these key principles. It is abnormal illness or behaviour that cannot be explained by physical disease. It affects people who would not normally behave in this fashion. 
the individuals are part of the same close-knit community, it is also not to be confused with moral panic, which happens when masses of people become distressed about a perceived threat which is catastrophized by the media. Here are some examples of moral panic which were perpetrated by the media. There was the well-known clown hysteria that occurred in 2016 where masses of people reported seeing evil clowns lurking everywhere. But perhaps the most famous case was the War of the Worlds radio broadcast in 1938. Newspaper headlines reported that thousands of Americans were plunged into panic over an Orson Welles radio play, convinced that America was under a deadly Martian attack. However, mass hysteria is quite different, as can be seen in this example. There was a case in a dressmaking factory in the US where a number of women became nauseous and had skin outbreaks believing that they had been bitten by bugs which had come from a shipment of fabric. But entomologists did not find any bugs. And it has been surprising to find out that there have been countless examples of hysteria occurring in schools. One example occurred in Tanzania, where a girl at a boarding school started laughing uncontrollably and couldn't stop. The laughing quickly spread among other students at the school and caused the school to be shut down. But then the laughing epidemic spread into the wider community and only began to fade after two years. In another case in Afghanistan, girls at various schools began to show dizziness, fainting and vomiting. So blood, urine and water samples were tested by the WHO the UN and NATO's International Security Assistance Force. But no toxins or poisons were found, so it was put down to mass psychogenic illness. But perhaps the best-known case of mass hysteria happened at a school in Florida in the US, where a girl who had a mild case of flu collapsed in the school cafeteria, which was witnessed by many other students. Within no time, other students then began collapsing as well. An officer from the Department of Public Health was called to the school and when he arrived, he could not believe the scene that confronted him. He described it as follows. The scene was complete pandemonium. It had the look of a disaster. We had to park half a block away because the school parking lot was full of trucks and vans and cars of all kinds all parked every which way. Ambulances, fire equipment, police cars, all with their flashes flashing. And the media, they were swarming. Newspaper reporters and photographers, radio people with microphones, television cameras from four local stations, and even local dignitaries. Members of the Dade County School Board, members of the Bay Harbour Town Council, and neighbours and passers-by and parents all rushing around. The man then recalled a similar case at another high school some years earlier, and he quickly made the assessment that it was a case of mass hysteria. He then prepared to give a statement to the assembled crowd and media, but it was not what they were expecting. Here is his recollection of what happened. I told everyone that it wasn't an outbreak of gas poisoning, 
or any other kind of poisoning. It was an outbreak of hysteria, mass hysteria. I said I didn't know just how it started, but I knew how to stop it. I said the only way to bring it under control was to get things back to normal. I asked that the cafeteria be cleared so the kitchen staff could set it up for lunch. I asked that the children out on the school grounds be brought back into the building and sent to their classrooms. And the time to do it, I said, was now, right this minute. Then I held my breath. Nobody tried to challenge me or contradict me. Nobody said a word. But you should have seen their faces. The public health nurses looked stunned. I saw Dr. Enriquez smiling and nodding. The parents of the sick children looked horrified and insulted. I was telling them that their children were crazy. But most of the others, the teachers and the school board people and the firemen and the head secretary, just stood there looking thoughtful. The truth was dawning. I think that maybe some of them had half suspected the truth all along. Well, I started in all over again. I gave them my reasons and my reasoning. I could see heads beginning to nod and faces starting to relax. And then, all of a sudden, the tension dissolved. The firemen and the police just sort of disappeared. People began to turn to each other and talk. The sick kids stopped looking so sick. The head secretary went out to the kitchen and the teachers began to clear the room. It was all over. So we can see in this case, if the hysteria is not recognized and acted upon, it will go on and on and get worse and worse. The remedy is simple, a calm, objective, common sense approach. Throughout my research, I have also read that instances of mass hysteria seem to be predominantly experienced by groups of women, and that some researchers put this down to women being typically exposed to more stressful situations. And it's also interesting that the word hysteria itself is derived from the Greek word hystera, meaning uterus. The ancient Greek physician Hippocrates wrote, For hysterical maidens, I prescribe marriage, for they are cured by pregnancy. His view was common in medicine well into the 19th century, but we can see that today, there is still an association between women and hysteria. Now, I really can't agree with this, that women experience more stress. Every individual experiences stress based on their life circumstances, not their gender. So, was this case in Kosovo a result of mass hysteria? If you go onto YouTube, you can find videos of people who were affected by the mysterious illness. Some are lying on beds, rolling around in pain. You see others being taken to the hospital, and it's quite bizarre to watch. There are crowds of people standing around the entrance to the hospital. Then the crowd makes way for cars that come speeding in. People crowd around the cars, helping to get the people out, and patients are carried hurriedly into the hospital. There are also men with stretchers, who come running out of the hospital to get the patients. So when you watch this, it's hard to believe that all these people just made themselves sick. There has been much written about what happened in Kosovo with arguments presented by both sides in this very curious tale. But let's hear from the students themselves. There are numerous accounts from children 
about what happened, and here are some of them. So see what you think. Here is a female student who recounted what happened. It was early in the morning, and my friend and I went to class together, which was empty because it was the first hour of class. We immediately felt a strange aroma. I thought it smelled like orange. We became curious and went to our desks, which were coloured with chalk. I touched with my finger and smelled them, and so did my friend. And when I came back from her, I saw foam coming out of her mouth. I called her several times, but got no answer. She was completely unaware of what had happened to her and her body. At the same time, I saw other students lying on their desks. Soon there was panic in the classroom, some shouting in pain and some shouting again and again. No one understood what was happening. I ran to meet the teacher and met the class tutor with tears in my eyes. He begged us to leave the school building and go home. He said, they have thrown poison in many classrooms. The students started running and shouting and everyone made an effort to get out as fast as possible. Some were thrown out of the windows, even though the classroom was on the second floor. The schoolyard was full of students. Some of them had fainted and some of them were lying down and could not stand up. Their bodies were inverted and had taken abnormal shapes. To get out of there, I had to walk on their bodies and it felt like I was walking on a flock of sheep. Leaving school, I went to a sports field nearby. On the way there, I had inspiration. I felt my lungs were going to come out. At the same time, I felt like someone was squeezing my throat to choke me. I then went to a friend who lived nearby. Then I rested, took a shower and drank milk and yogurt. I then proceeded from there to return home and saw that all traffic was blocked and the roads were empty of people. A police car stopped and asked me where I was going. Very scared, I replied that I was going home. Luckily, they allowed me to continue. The next stop I made to another friend, where I also slept as I felt drowsy and had started shivering. The adults held my hands in the hope that the tremors would cease, but it did not help. When the tremors came, they grabbed me and held me for 10 to 15 minutes, and there was nothing that could stop them until they passed by themselves. The next day I went back to school, but came back because the whole school was empty. In the following days, I felt very tired and weak. The tremors returned, and I asked for help at the hospital in Pristina. There I took sedatives, but that did not help against tremors. Then I met another neuropsychiatrist at the hospital. I also met other students who had tremors, and some of them had so much that they even jumped on the beds and could fall out of the beds. My tremors came without warning and they passed. Nothing seemed to happen. In the first three months after the poisoning, I often had tremors, even several times a day. But there were days when I did not have tremors. And then they passed me and I had my last tremor in the fall of 1990. I remember it very well because it happened when I was at the doctor. My friend had suffered the most in our class from the poisonings and had tremors even up to six years after the poisonings. Even though I had not had any tremors since the fall of 1990, he has always been afraid of me and told my family that these will come back to me. Poisonings have left their mark on my life and many of these wounds that have not yet healed.
I have gone further, I have been educated, and I have been employed, and I have never had the desire to remember the past. But even today, it is sad when I think of the past. And here is another student who was in his final year of high school. I remember very well the ghastly day of 1990, when I, along with many students of different classes, witnessed an unusual event that at the time was called massive poisoning. I was in my final year of high school, and my class was on the second floor of school. It was a very unusual day for a normal lesson, as Serbian students had not come to school to attend classes. But despite the insistence of the professors and the school principal, who was Albanian at the time, we entered the school to attend classes with fear but determination was on our side to continue learning. We spent two hours teaching and started the third. Suddenly, some voices and screams came from the schoolyard. We all started to get scared and panic was very present in all of my colleagues. The professor's suggestions were not to be afraid, but to start slowly to get out of the classroom. Without waiting, we felt like a kind of white smoke entered our classroom, so we were all on foot to escape from that hell as much as possible as soon as possible. But I had in my mind my sister to first go and look for her, and then to go out. When we opened the classroom door to go out in the school corridor, it was something strange. I can call it a light powder, but with a very fast impact on the body because my eyes started to hurt a lot and my vision was very abnormal. In the hallway, I saw some girls lying down that someone was running to help you, but suddenly some girls of our class fell to the floor in a strange stun. While I was looking at these moments in my eyes, I start a big pain, but in my head it was also a very big pressure. I can say as if it wanted to explode. I also felt a tightness all over my body. Something strange happened in my eyes because my eyesight was weird and my tongue got a little thicker. My condition worsened a lot. My nose was constantly flowing from my eyes. The tears did not stop and I started to feel great shock. And from the words of my friends, I fell to the ground as if without signs of life. I do not remember how much time has passed and how I ended up in my house or in my room with a very scary feeling. I had something in my eyes. I can say that they were bandages, wet with some medicine or something else. I do not remember. But also in the room were some colleagues from my class who were also covered with some bandages. They were in my house since I lived very close to school. Some doctors who came to visit told us to drink as many dairy products as possible, such as yogurt, and also to constantly keep compressors on our eyes until the pain passed away. One issue was very strict, that none of us should contact a doctor in the hospital or even go to hospital because otherwise the whole family will suffer because the Serbian criminal authorities at that time called it a game of Albanian students and called us liars. Then time passed by, but my condition in my eyes was getting worse every day. I went to join my family in Switzerland, where I soon was admitted to the University Hospital of Zurich. The doctors and all of the staff at the hospital were surprised by my very serious health condition, but could not find any diagnosis to tell me what I really had. But after two weeks of being there, 
I had a suggestion they told to me that I have to be under the supervision of doctors all the time. So throughout my life, I have had two eye surgeries in the English state and recently one in the Belgium state. Although many years have passed, the healing of my eyes from that event seems very far away. I have continuous therapy in hospital and the doctors have informed me that I will have continuous operations in the future. So we have seen these accounts from the students involved, but here is another account from someone who was a medical student at the time, and he describes what happened. It was Wednesday, and the first hour we had our practice. I went to the hospital together with two of my friends wearing white coats and entered the ward where the professor was waiting for us. The lesson started and the professor shared with us the tasks we would be doing during that practical lesson. After a while, the news came to us that something was happening down in the medical school. All the students in the class rushed together towards the school and when we reached the yard, we saw students lying on the ground, shaking uncontrollably. They had big bumps on their bellies. Some of them were left to faint. We did not know what was going on and what it was about. What was happening in the backyard of the medical school was horrible. We were later told that white dust was scattered throughout the school classrooms and it was suspected to be poison. The students had become curious and had taken it in their hands to smell it. Immediately after sniffing, they began to have hoarseness in the body and lose control. The students smelled like perfume. Their bodies trembled as if they were electrocuted. Most of them complained that they could not breathe freely and cried and swore. All the citizens who were near the school at that moment were mobilised to help the students. They took the students to the hospital in their private cars without stopping. After a few minutes, I started to lose my mind and my eyesight weakened. My friend in front of me fell to the ground and started shaking. At that moment, I sat down by myself because it seemed to me that I was falling every second. I had difficulty breathing. I sat on the ground and closed my eyes, and the only thing I heard was the ambulance siren ringing incessantly. They were sending sick students to the hospital, which was only a few hundred metres away from the schoolyard. I remember losing a lot of weight and having a terrible headache. A teacher came and drove us home. I had the symptoms for almost a week. I personally did not seek medical help as the symptoms went away after a week and I felt good about my health. But my friends have had regular medical checkups. Some of them still suffer the consequences of that terrible day of poisoning. One of my friends is married but still has no children. He has told me that the poisoning is a consequence of his sterility. So that's the bizarre story that happened in Kosovo. So what do you think? Personally, I'm leaning towards mass hysteria, but with 8,000 people involved, that is quite a large number. It's a very curious case. Yes, it's true that people with anxiety can work themselves up to the point of vomiting and having other symptoms, so it can be feasible from this respect. Now, it also needs to be said that it wasn't just the Albanians who were affected, it was the general population and even Serbs were also affected. 
it's a very difficult one to try to wrap your head around. But the fact that there was also politics involved just makes the whole story so much murkier. Now, as a teacher myself, I have seen how suggestible children can be. So when the children saw other students getting sick, I can totally believe that they then became convinced that they were sick too. And rumours can also spread very quickly amongst kids. One may say that they saw or heard something, and then others say they saw or heard the same thing, but it ends up not being true. And sometimes kids get sick and have to be sent home, and then you have other kids saying that they're sick too. So sometimes they will fake illness just to go home. Yes, believe it or not, kids actually do this. And another example is when kids ask to go to the toilet and suddenly all these other kids have to go too. And you wonder, do they really have to go or do they just want to be out of the classroom for a while? And I've also had kids who show me a slight rash or mark on a part of their body and then others come to me to show me the same thing. And the most logical explanation is they were playing outside and maybe got bitten by a mosquito or a sandfly or that their um, arm got brushed against a tree or something. But they just seem to be so concerned and they want me to give them ice or go to the sick bay. But I'm the sort of person who won't molly coddle children. And usually if I say, okay, well, let's see how it feels in a little while, then usually they just forget about it. But in the case of Kosovo, the children who got sick were very young children in primary schools, but also children in high schools as well. So I can understand the younger ones, but then when you have adults and older people who were also convinced that they were sick, then this just seems very, very bizarre. But then again, I haven't lived in a war zone and in a region where tensions go back generations. For the Albanians, there was an intense loathing of the Serbs. So was that enough to make so many of them convinced that the Serbs were out to get them. So let me know what you think, but um, I'm sure we can all agree that it was a very, very curious case. And just before we finish this episode, I'd like for you to hear a wonderful voicemail that I received from a listener of the podcast. So take a listen. Hello, Miss Anna. This is Bobby, and I am on the road today going to pick up my family um, that were out of town. And I'm listening to the podcast, and I absolutely love it. Um, I love the research that you do. It really comes out in the show. Um, Just doing an awesome job, and I wish you all the best and that the podcast continues on. Thank you. Isn't that lovely? And also so interesting to hear where people are listening to me. So thank you so much, Bobby. You really made my day when I heard your message. So for anybody else, if you'd like to leave a voicemail, you can find the link wherever you find the podcast. So let's preview the next episode. It's called Satanic Panic. The children attended a preschool. What happened? And to end this episode, I will leave you with this quote on the topic of hysteria. Hysteria is impossible without an audience. Panicking by yourself is the same as laughing alone in an empty room. Bye for now and remember to be a good apple.